At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Followers Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to his followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as he marks out the way of discipleship for us. Well, good morning. This is a map. It's a good old-fashioned resource that will guide you wherever it is that you want to go. It's a map. As you can see, it's kind of big, a little floppy, but it gets you to where you want to go most of the time. If you have someone next to you that can help you and guide you along the path, tell you which exit to take, tell you which street to turn on, the map is the thing. But to be honest, it's never easy to use, is it? It gets creases, it's huge, and if you're like me, you can never get it to fold. <laughs> the way that it did when you first opened it up. The map used to be the way to go. Now, what we use is one of these. One of these, that's right. One of these, because on one of these little devices, it's much smaller, a little more stable. If you have like Google Maps on it or something, it actually will tell you the way to go. You'll hook it up to your Bluetooth in your car and away you go. It'll tell you and guide you on your path. Even though sometimes it'll take you down gravel roads, but that's a different issue. Well, today, church family, we begin a new sermon series that is going to serve as a guide for us on our journey of faith. The series is titled, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus. And this morning, in each of the next nine Sundays, we're going to be in this series for a good long time. So I want to encourage you, uh, grab that bookmark, put it in the Gospel of John, because the Gospel of John is going to be our home for the series. It's one of the most well-read, most well-loved books in the whole Bible. And we're going to be reading a portion of John's Gospel known as the Farewell Discourse. Now, the farewell discourse is some of the final words that Jesus gave to his disciples. Now, I want to highlight something. If you're anything like me, when you're about ready to go on a journey, you're about ready to leave and go somewhere, there are very specific details that you give to the people who are caring for your pet, caring for your house, caring for your children, perhaps. Whatever it is, there are those final things that you're like, look, you need to get this. This is of critical importance, right? Okay, well, we're digging into Jesus' final words to his disciples. Those things that he cared about so deeply that he wants you and I and all who would follow to grab a hold of and for that to guide our path. 
So we're going to turn to John's gospel and get started in just a moment. But first, let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we are a people on a journey. We are a people on a faith journey, and some of us have been in a valley. We're walking through difficult, difficult times. I know that there is a lot of pain in this room right now. So would you meet with us today? Would you shine a light on our path through the truth of your gospel today? Would you open our minds and our hearts to be able to follow that path, even in the midst of the darkness? Father, many of us are doing just fine. We're excited about where you have us on the journey. Would you guide us and help us through the power of your Spirit to maintain faithfulness on the path that you've laid out for us? May we not go astray thinking that everything is fine and we can do it ourselves. May we listen and may we follow the path that you've laid out for us. God, we know that that comes from your word today because your word is truth. And so, God, we need eyes to see this truth. We need ears to hear this truth today. And God, every single person here needs a humble heart to receive and then try to live out this truth in the week ahead. And so we ask for that as well. We pray this all in the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus, amen. So, church family, our trail guide begins by showing us some of the most important part of the journey. What our trail guide does is it points us straight to the person of Jesus. That's where we begin. Jesus is the focal point of our journeys. Because believers are called to follow His lead. We are called to follow His path. We are called to follow His way. So John gives us some really helpful context on what that means for you and me to do that. So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be looking at John's Gospel, chapter 13. And chapter 13, you'll find that on page 900 in our church Bibles. Again, we use the ESV translation here at Woodside. And so, want to encourage you, again, John chapter 13, page 900. We're going to pick it up at verse 1. Here is what John writes. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God, well, he rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments. And taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
came to Simon Peter, (laughs) who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you, you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you were clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the Scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. And I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one that I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. We're going to stop right there. It's a long text to be sure, but you get the whole story. We need to read it in one setting to get the full context. So let's consider the setting, if we will. Jesus is at a meal. The Passover is soon to happen. It's it's nearing time. Jesus is in that place where he's hanging out with his closest friends, the 12 disciples. But the scene is not as simple as it might seem. There's that significant twist in the middle of the story, and John gives us a hint there in verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Let's pause right there for just a second. That'll kind of change the mood of a meal, won't it? I mean, hey, you're dining with your friends, and then there's one guy who is going to betray you. That will sort of change the mood of the moment, won't it? Yet in spite of that fact, even though that Jesus knew that the betrayer was among the twelve, the text helps us see that Jesus was fully aware, he was fully present, and he was fully ready to walk out the Father's plan. We don't read anxiety, we don't read stress, we don't read any of that in the text. Jesus knew who He was, and He knew what He was called to do. That's clear. Now, let's look back at those first few verses again. 
Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, he's fully aware, remember, to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, again, he is fully aware of what's happening, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he then rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus the God-man, the worker of miracles and healings, the Messiah. That is the one who gets up from the table, takes off his outer garments to get a little more comfortable, and then he begins to serve, to humble himself and serve his friends by washing their feet. Feet are dirty. Particularly in this time period, feet were very dirty. They don't have fancy shoes like we do. In that time period, feet were very dirty. And so what we're looking at here is a stunning image. It is a beautiful picture. I want us to rest with that picture in mind for just a moment. You may have heard that story a thousand times. I want you to live in that moment for just a second. Jesus is bowed down and he's washing dirty feet. Honestly, I can think of few more powerful images in all of Scripture of genuine humility and genuine service than that picture. It is beautiful. Church, this action shows us the first of three ways that Jesus has cleared the way for his followers. Jesus has cleared the way first as a servant. As a humble servant, Jesus has cleared the way. You see, he's done this because he was secure in his identity. He knew who he was, and he was secure in his path. He knew what he was called to do, and so he could peacefully step into the role of being the least. He could be the least. He could be the lowest because he was confident in who he was. He wasn't too insecure or he wasn't too impressed by himself. You have both ends of that spectrum when you consider how you're going to serve. You can kind of get boastful or you can kind of wallow in it. Jesus does neither. He just humbly serves those he loves. He'd not forgotten that he was God. Rather, he humbly served because he was God. You know, this is a power picture, powerful picture for all of us. 
I kind of asked us to kind of pause in the moment and reflect upon what it looks like for all of us. But I want to take a special group right now, and I want to challenge us, those of us who are dads. There's a powerful lesson here for us. Because the New Testament is clear that we are the leaders of our homes. And as leaders, we can choose kind of one of two paths. We can choose a path of arrogance or we can choose a path of humility, one of service. So with the model that we've just read, what do you think Jesus would ask of you and of me, dads, when it comes to leading our families? Guys, we need to lead by serving our wives We need to lead by praying with her for the things that burden her heart. We need to enter into her story and listen to what God is doing in her heart. That's how we lead, by serving. Practically, it might look like we would care for the kids at bedtime to give her some personal time, some space to enter into just a time of rest. We can serve and we should serve our wives. But it means to lead our family. It also means that we need to serve our children. Maybe that means reading them a Bible story. We just hosted our parents this week and something we're launching here called Talk About Family Discipleship, and that is our role as dads to serve our families by leading them into the Scriptures, by leading them into the stories of the Bible. It's not just an add-on. It's what we're called to do as fathers, as dads, as leaders of our homes. Practically speaking, it also might mean entering into things like their homework. Trust me, my kids passed my math skills early. But enter into it. Put their interests above yours. Whatever it is that they are interested, lead them by entering into their interests. I have plenty of interest of my own, but that may or may not be what my kids are drawn to. I love them. I lead them by entering into what they are interested in. Church, that's servant leadership. That's what Jesus models for us. Now, dads, I drew you into that. Realistically, what we're looking at is for all of us. Because Jesus modeled servant leadership. It is for all of us who would say we are in Christ today. Jesus has given us a beautiful example for us to follow. Now let's return to our text. Picking it up at John 13, verse 6. It says, He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? 
Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Absolutely not. Jesus answered him, if, you do not, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, then also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. He's completely clean. And you are clean. But not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. You see, Jesus has now worked his way around the room. His disciples are all there. He's served them. He has humbly washed them, wiped them, cleaned their feet, and then he gets to Peter. Peter knew that washing feet was the, servant of, was the, was the task of a servant. He knew full well that this was not the task of someone who would be king. And so Peter, in his kind of bold attitude says, I will have none of it. You are not washing my feet. Nope. If you read anything of Peter, you know he was a very intense guy and a bold guy. And he says, there's just no way that you are washing my feet. You are God. That is not happening. How many of you identify with Peter in this moment? You try to put yourself into that story, and right there you're sitting there, and Jesus comes to you to wash your feet. It's pretty easy to understand why Peter had that response. What's often overlooked in this story, however, is the significance of Jesus' response to Peter's respectful defiance. Jesus tells Peter that unless he washes his feet, you have no share with me. Hmm. What does that mean? Another way to say it might be you have no inheritance in me, Peter. You have no eternal blessing unless I wash you, unless I cleanse you. You see, what Jesus is doing is he is pointing to, to the washing that has a much deeper reality and a much deeper significance. What he's done here is just give all of us, and Peter, of course, a theology lesson. But again, in the moment, Peter does not understand because he does a 180-degree turn, and then he says, well, Jesus, if this is true, then wash me from head to toe. The pendulum kind of goes from one end of the spectrum to the other, just kind of swings across. Jesus responds to his disciple by teaching him not a physical dirt, but of the filth of sin and the importance that we all need to be cleansed from it. And this shows us that Jesus has cleared the way for you and me through his cleansing. Jesus clears our path through his cleansing. You see, what Jesus is describing to Peter and all who read this story is that a person must only be cleansed for sin once through the blood of Christ, just once. By faith, men, women, children are justified before a holy God, and that means that everyone must be born again. 
repenting of our sin, turning from it, repenting of the stain that we carry from that sin, the filth that we carry from that sin, turning from that and then believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ for cleansing and for forgiveness and ultimately for our salvation. But what Jesus makes clear here is that justification is not something that must happen over and over and over and over and over again. With the foot washing, Jesus is showing the power of the cleansing work on the cross. And he's telling us that unless we embrace that cleansing work personally, unless we are washed by Jesus, we will be excluded from Him and excluded from eternal blessing. Unless we are cleansed by Christ. So let me ask you, have you embraced that cleansing? Are you here today and by faith would you say, I have cast my sin and my dirt and my stain upon the only one who can cleanse me? Upon Jesus, the only one who can purify us. Here's the best part. The cleansing is available for all. Many times people walk into this room and they might carry this burden of sin, whether it's from their past, whether it's something that you're struggling with in the moment. You think, man, I am too dirty. Jesus lovingly invites you to come to Him by faith to be cleansed. Have you been washed by Jesus' cleansing blood? It's His desire. That's what we see in Jesus' interaction with Peter is His desire to cleanse you once for all. Now let's continue on in today's text. See the third way that Jesus clears our path. When he, when he had washed their feet and put on His outer garments and resumed His place, He said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you were right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He says, if you know these things... Blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the Scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. And I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. What started with Jesus being our servant 
then moved to him offering himself on a cross to cleanse us, now guides us on how you and I as his followers are called to live. And I want us to be very clear in this. Pay attention to the order. Don't mix up the order. We don't want to get confused and think that if we just follow Jesus' example and live kind of this life of sacrificial service, that that will earn us God's favor. That is not how it works. It does not. It begins with Christ as a servant. He cleanses us, and then from that cleansing, we serve. From that cleansing, we serve. Imitating Jesus follows being served and being cleansed by Him. So important. I love the way the foot washing scene closes. Jesus puts on His outer garments, returns to the table, and then He asks His friends this question. Do you understand what I have done for you? Can't you just picture the disciples in that moment? All of them are looking at him, and they're like, oh, yeah, no. I don't remember. I don't know. Don't ask me. No idea. Clearly, Jesus knew that Peter was not the only one who was trying to wrap their minds around all that he had said and all that he had taught. So he anticipates their question. He gives them clear direction on how to move forward. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and that is right. That's who I am. But then if then your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He says, for I've given you what? Not a method or a path. He says, no, no, no. I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Church, this is the third and final way that Jesus clears the way. He clears our path by giving us an example that you and I are to follow. Jesus clears the path so that you and I might follow in His example. You see, Jesus came to serve and give His life as a ransom for many, cleansing us from our sin. And then we too are invited to that type of servant-hearted example, those who bear the name of Christ, those who are in faith, those who are His followers, are called to follow His example by giving ourselves up for others. That's what we're called to do. Listen to the heartbeat of verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Church, from the outpouring of this cleansed, redeemed heart, you and I are called to action. This isn't just some intellectual assent. We go, yeah, I agree with that. That's a nice story. I love that Jesus gives us an example. What he calls us to is live it out, actions of loving and serving and encouraging. That should be the way we live. Actions that back up what you and I believe actions that show that we are a follower of a humble servant leader. 
This is why author J.I. Packer once described spiritual growth in such a countercultural and significant way, and yet way that aligns with Jesus. Here's what Packer writes. He says, real spiritual growth is always growth downward. Always. Church, what Jesus has modeled with his disciples, he has cleared a way for you and me to follow. The question that every single person here today must ask, are we following Jesus? Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.